time here of worship, as we've already said. We're, we're grateful that you're here, and, and this, this is a, a season of, of gratitude and thanksgiving. I hope you had a, a great uh, holiday over these past uh, few days. This is always a, a fun time of year for us as a church family because we, we get to see some old faces that we haven't seen in a while. We get to see some kids and some grandkids who maybe live a little further away, but they can come back on a Sunday like this, and so we get to see some of them. We see our college students who are away from home, but it's always good to see them back here as well. We, we hope you, you remember this is your church home, and, and you're always welcome here. And, and more importantly than even that, although that's, that's all warm, fuzzy stuff, and that makes us feel good about being here, it's just good to be together with, with God's people. Amen? Just good to be together and to worship together like this. Today we, we continue our, our series and, and some of the thoughts we've been working through over the past few weeks today. We, we think about prayer and in particular, as, as Randy and Joe have already said, we think about the prayer of intercession. And as we, as we get started doing that, I, I want to share with you the story of, of a lady by the name of Madeline Sweeney. Uh, Madeline, I guess, was her, her given name. Everyone uh, seemed to call her Amy. Maybe that was a middle name, maybe that was a nickname, but uh, Amy Sweeney was an American Airlines flight attendant for, for 13 years. And she was, was working on American Airlines Flight 11, which was departing out of Boston and heading for Los Angeles on the morning of September 11th, 2011, 2001, excuse me, um, when that plane was hijacked. And that, as you no makes Amy one of about 3,000 Americans uh, who lost their lives on that day. Uh, Amy Sweeney is remembered for her bravery, for an act of heroism. So a few minutes into the flight that morning, five men got up from their seats and they rushed to the cockpit to take control of that plane. Amy was one of the flight attendants in the back of the plane, and so she used uh, a flight telephone, a crew telephone, to call a flight services manager down on the ground at Logan International Airport in Boston. And the information that she relayed to them over the course of about 25 minutes proved to be so invaluable. She was calm. She said, I, listen, I need you to listen very carefully. I'm on flight 11. It has been, it has been hijacked. And so she began to tell uh, the individuals there on the ground, some of the information. She gave them seat numbers of the men who got up, and that was crucial in uh, the FBI identifying who those individuals were uh, before they, they flew that plane into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. One of our members, Tiffany Knoll, was working in Washington, D.C. when all this happened. Uh, she actually drove past the Pentagon that morning on her way to work. Uh, Tiffany, as you may or may not know, was working at that time in the office of our Congressman Robert Aderholt. And so she's working in an office across from the Capitol, and Tiffany tells the story. She remembers the police officers coming in, and they're, they're screaming for everybody to evacuate and to get out. And, and that luckily, she and, and some co-workers were able to take cover, to find refuge in the uh, nearby home of a friend. But on the following Sunday at her church there in Fairfax, Tiffany said that they, they held a special prayer service, as many churches around the country did on that Sunday. And one of the things that happened is they, they passed around a basket, only instead of asking you to put things into the basket on this particular Sunday, they asked you to take 
a, a slip of paper with a name on it. And it, on every one of those slips of paper was the name of someone who had lost their life the previous Tuesday in that attack. And the idea was for members of the church to take one family and to, to keep this little card, this little slip of paper, somewhere where they could see it and to pray for that family. And as you can imagine, the name that Tiffany happened to draw was Madeline Amy Sweeney. Tiffany says, I prayed daily for Amy's family for a long time. She said, I kept that name in my Bible for a while until I was afraid I would lose it. But then it was on my refrigerator for several years, and now this is an actual picture of what, what Tiffany has. It's, she's since moved it to a, a bulletin board in her home. She says, anytime someone would mention 9-11, Amy and her family would come to mind, and I, I would pray for them immediately. I don't know anything about her faith. I don't know anything about her relationship with the Lord, but Tiffany says, I prayed for her family to know the Lord. And then she says this, I've, I've been blessed by praying for her family all these years, whether they ever know about it or not. I asked Tiffany if I could share that story with you, and she, she agreed. I wanted to share it with you this morning because uh, to me and to my way of thinking, it is a, it is a powerful example of, of the nature of intercessory prayer, which we're talking about here today. It's a great example of, of what's at stake and, and what happens in our hearts when we commit to interceding for someone in prayer, whether they ever know about it or not. Last week, as we've already mentioned, we, we talked about petition, which if you weren't here, the sum of it is to petition is to beg God for something, and that is your personal prayer request. And so we filled those out on the, on the prayer wall. We invite you to continue doing that if you haven't had a chance. But intercession is kind of like the, the jelly to the, the peanut butter of petition. I mean, they just kind of go together so well because intercession is then when you agree to to commit to praying for the needs of someone else my petition that's that's my prayer request and that's what i'm asking god to do for me but when i i intercede for someone i'm asking god to do something on behalf of someone else and so these two kind of complement each other they've been referred to as our staple diet in prayer so much of our prayer life is made up of those two elements isn't it your personal petition what you are, are begging God to do, Lord, give me this. You know, I, I need so-and-so. But then also, so many of our prayers are also, they're not just focused on ourselves, but in intercession, the gravity of our prayer sort of shifts, and we begin to pray then for the needs of other people as well. So just as Tiffany has been praying for these uh, the members of Amy Sweeney's family these 17 years. Today, I'd like to ask you to think about the power of this kind of prayer, this prayer of intercession. And to help us get started this morning, I'd like to look at a few passages of Scripture. I, I'd encourage you to, to jot down at least these references somewhere uh, so that you can look back over these a little later today. But I, I want us to begin by looking at intercession through the, the lens of, of this, According to the scriptures, intercession is the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's the work of Jesus himself. We'll get to how we can intercede for one another in just a minute, but I want to begin here. 
Because if, 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 if something is, is important enough for the Holy Spirit to, to do it and for Jesus to do it, to me, that, that's where you begin, okay? So if you have a Bible, you have a copy of that available on, you know, on some device or right there in front of you, there ought to be a Bible in, that, in the back of that pew. Turn over to the book of Romans. And in particular, we'll begin here in Romans chapter 8. That's where we'll begin. I'll have these verses on the screen, but I, I encourage you to write these down and follow along as well. Romans 8, starting in verse 26, 26 and 27 of, of Romans chapter 8. Here's God's word. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself, here's our word, intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So Romans, uh, written by a, a missionary by the name of Paul, and, and, and he's writing here to Christians in the city of Rome in the first century. And he, and he gets to this place where he's teaching about the Holy Spirit of God given to believers at baptism and he wants the those first century roman christians but also us as readers of this letter he wants us all to know this that that the holy spirit is given for a specific purpose and one of those purposes one of those reasons that god blesses us with the spirit is this so that the spirit can help us when we pray he says there are times when we don't know what we ought to pray for can you relate to that? <laughs> there, there are times when, you know, I, I, I know that I need to be praying. I have kind of a, a, a little uh, prompt or I have something on my heart. I just, I, I kind of feel like, boy, I, I need to be in, in prayer about this. But, but have you ever had that circumstance uh, occur where, where you just don't know exactly what to pray? Maybe prayer has never come that that naturally to you and so so maybe you've never even had that modeled well in your life so you you know you bow your head and, and you close your eyes but you don't really know what to do from there you don't know what to say well number one i would say welcome to the club we, we all we all can relate to that i think i think that's a universal experience in prayer but here's this this teaching it's as if god through this this part of his word is is sort of pulling the curtain back for us right and he's saying okay I want you to know that when you get to that place in your prayer life, I've given you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. And then the, the, the first part, what we read, he says he intercedes for you by doing this, by, by using not even language, he says, but there are these groans. That the Holy Spirit is, is groaning back to God the Father and taking our, our concerns and what we're what we're kind of worried about and what we're anxious about the holy spirit communicates that in a way that goes beyond language he translates that back to the father isn't that an encouraging thought in prayer I, I, that, that gives me a little more confidence as i pray because i know i don't always have to get it just you know right i don't i don't have to say all the right you know words sometimes those words don't come so easily but he says the Holy Spirit of God is given to translate in, in some sort of like divine language back to the Father what's on our hearts. 
And that gives us, I think, some, some encouragement in prayer to know that the work of the Holy Spirit is to intercede on our behalf, okay? But in that same section of Scripture, in Romans 8, you're already there, okay? In just a few verses, we find out not only that, that the Holy Spirit is involved in intercession, but you look down at verse 34 of Romans 8, and now Jesus joins in on this. Look at this next verse, okay? Romans 8, 34, just a little further down. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, and more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, here it is, and is also interceding for us. So we have the Holy Spirit interceding for us in prayer when we don't know exactly what to say, and then, and then God kind of pulls the curtain back further and he says, not only that, I want you to know where Jesus is, the one who died and then rose up into the heavens. He's here. He is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, he says. Uh, earlier in the chapter, in the first verse of Romans 8, you can look at it. He says, uh, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it, it speaks to the idea that, that oftentimes we're listening to voices that are wanting to bring about condemnation you know we, we listen to those voices out there who are telling us that you know we're not enough that we're not good enough that oh you you, you haven't lived down your your mistakes and sometimes those voices are out there sometimes those voices are in here you know but but we have those voices of, of condemnation but but what god is trying to say to us here is that if you're in christ jesus you don't have to listen to that because because that isn't that isn't the loudest voice that's not the final word here Jesus, my son who I gave, who died and has risen again, is now at the right hand of the Father, interceding, interceding for you. There's a popular song uh, out now by a, a contemporary Christian artist named Lauren Daigle, and, uh, and the song is called You Say. Maybe some of you are familiar with it, but it is, it is so powerful because this is what it's about. She talks about what happens when we begin to listen to those voices that tell us we're not enough and we're not loved, you know, and we'll never be good enough. And she sort of confesses there in the song, man, there are times when I, I want to listen to those voices, but, but in the chorus, as the music kind of rises, she, she confesses, you know, what really counts, though, is what you say about me and how you see me, God. And that helps us here because God has pulled back the curtain and said, you're in Christ Jesus there is no condemnation here's the reason why Jesus is interceding for you can any condemnation stick to you if Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for you I don't think so I think that's the point right that there's there's no condemnation that can stick if you're in Christ Jesus and he is at the right hand of the father interceding for you so we have the Holy Spirit who intercedes, we have, we have Christ the Son who intercedes. I want us to, to now pivot because there's another verse, there's another section in Scripture that takes this idea of Jesus as intercessor and, and unpacks it a little more fully. If you want to turn over to there, I want us to just read uh, from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. I want to show you what the writer of Hebrews 7 has to say here about Jesus, okay? Hebrews 7 verses 23 through 25 while you're, you're turning there um, we don't know who wrote this little letter 
Um, it's written to Messianic Jews. It's written to Jewish Christians, we think. Because one of the main points of this little letter in our New Testament is to describe the superiority of the New Covenant in comparison to that Mosaic Covenant. And one of the ways that this covenant is superior, the Hebrew writer says, is because we have Jesus, who is a superior high priest, mediating this covenant. It's kind of the context here for Hebrews 7. Okay, here it is. Now there have been many of those priests, the old order, okay, since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. See how he's comparing those two? Then he says this, Therefore he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because, and I love this phrase, he always lives to intercede for them. You know who the them is in that passage, right? That's those who are called by his name. So the idea here that Jesus is alive today so he can intercede for us in a way that no priest ever could have interceded for us. But then there, there's this, because, because he lives, he intercedes and he always lives to intercede on our behalf. Under that mosaic covenant the priests had a, a very specific job and that was to mediate between god and man it was their job to kind of be that go-between to stand between god and man so you see moses doing this you see aaron all the levitical priests you know from then on are, are kind of doing that but the hebrew writer says all all those priests their work eventually reached its end because they were just men they were just humans but jesus can intercede for us in such a powerful way because he lives, and he always lives to intercede for you. So if you wrote something on one of these cards last week, we'll get to how we kind of pray for one another and talk about, you know, our role as intercessors in just a minute. I believe that Jesus Christ has read every one of these cards because I believe he always lives to intercede for us. I believe he saw you when you wrote that on that card. I believe, I believe he intercedes for those things we didn't want to write on cards. <laughs> the things that didn't make it to the card level, but that remain kind of tucked beneath the surface. Just know what the Word of God says. He always lives to intercede for us in this regard. So we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus who intercede, and, and so we can't intercede for one another in the same way the Holy Spirit and Jesus can, right? I mean, you know, we, we understand that. But we do have this call in God's word to be people of intercession because if, if Jesus is our Lord and, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then we'll be about the things that they're about. We also have this passage that Randy read a few moments ago from 1 Timothy 2 where the same Paul says this, and I'm, I'm urging that, that requests and prayers, petitions, all of those things, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. We can't intercede in the same way that, that the Holy Spirit intercedes or that Christ the Son intercedes. But we can intercede for one another in prayer to the best of our ability. Because that's what you do when you love someone, right? When you love someone, you're, you're taking their prayer request to the Lord. You know that to be true. 
We have experienced that in our own lives. Like we said in the first week, prayer is that place where love is, is, is operationalized. It's love moving out. That's how, you know, love kind of gets in the game through prayer oftentimes. But also this, we said, you know, we, we're praying because we believe in what, what we said the first week, you know, the, the world is a battlefield and, and sometimes we experience the pain of that. So one of the ways that faith is, is made aggressive even when we come to God in prayer. So with all that being said, let me just ask you, what's at stake if we don't intercede for one another? Sometimes people wonder, you know, what what does prayer even do? What's the point? I would say that there's a lot at stake when we intercede for one another, and there's a lot at stake when we don't. To kind of demonstrate this, I want to share with you a, a biblical story that, that doesn't use the word intercession, but I would, I would argue it is all about intercession. And it teaches us what's at stake when we intercede and what's at stake, I think, when we don't. It's found in the book of Exodus chapter 17. I, I want to just share this, this little, little story with you, and then we'll work towards some application here. Exodus chapter 17. Listen to what this, this story teaches us. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. This is before the children of Israel have gone in to inhabit the promised land fully. Okay, so they're still a wilderness people. They haven't even received the Ten Commandments yet. So, I mean, they're, they're fresh off of their Egyptian exodus. Okay, so, they, so they're attacked. And Moses says to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. And tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now, if you're Joshua and you hear this, you're probably thinking, uh, wow, Moses, thank, yeah, I, I really appreciate you, you know, putting yourself out there. Uh, <laughs> Moses tells Joshua, I want you to go and do all the fighting, and I'm going to take this stick up to the mountain, all right? We, just equal distribution of labor here. You go fight all the bad guys. I'll go up here. You, you read this, you think, what is Moses thinking? Well, the story continues. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and, and they put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. That's the word of the Lord. (laughs) Uh, That passage is all about intercession. The Amalekites strike against Israel, and while Joshua engages them on the battlefield, you do have Moses kind of up, up high, Moses up where he can see what's going on, and, and although the, the word isn't used, scholars agree that, that what he's doing is he is interceding, he's praying. He, he has his arms raised for what purpose? Well, it just seems natural, right? His arms are raised in prayer to God. God, I give you this battlefield. I mean, I don't know exactly what he prayed, but something like this, you know. God, please, please bring victory to your people. Did you bring us out of Egypt just so we'd be out here and suffered defeat at the hands of the Amalekites. So Moses raises his hands, and and when his hands are raised, 
God brings victory. But whenever he gets tired, <coughs> excuse me, it doesn't say Joshua got tired, right? It says when Moses gets tired in intercession, his arms get kind of weary, and he lowers them, but then, then the bad guys start to win. And so the one who's making intercession for the people, what does he need? Well, he needs someone to kind of intercede for him. And so Aaron and her are there, and they prop his arms up. They get a rock, and they roll it under. Hey, have a seat. And they lift his arms up. And through the day, these three men, with arm, you know, keeping the arms up, and by implication, by keeping the prayers going, God is victorious. They were all key to that victory, right? You needed Joshua on the front lines. <laughs> And you needed all of his troops, and, and, and you needed Moses up high lip, lifting his arms. And you needed Aaron and her there to prop those arms up. And in all of that, and all that interceding, God brings victory. I think there's a lot at stake when we intercede for one another. And more than I think we'll, we'll even know this side of eternity. But as we, as we kind of wind down here this morning... I do want to call your attention back to this, to this prayer wall one last time. Uh, and I'd like to finish maybe a couple of minutes early today. Uh, don't get used to it, okay? But I would like to finish maybe a few minutes early today for this reason. When we're done today, I'd love to just give you time to make your way up here to this prayer wall. It's a small stage, so we can't all come up here at once, but maybe before class, maybe after class, maybe during the week if you have time. I'd love for you just to come by and read some of the things that are, that are written up here. Because if you're, if you're kind of wondering, okay, what, what do I, who, who do I intercede for? Well, it's standing with someone in prayer, and your brothers and sisters have poured out some requests here. And I think the job then for us is keep our arms lifted in prayer this week. Does that make sense? To intercede for them. I want to share with you just a few of the, the requests that are on these prayer cards. I think you'll be amazed at some of the things that, that people are asking us to pray about. Someone write, th these are all just individual prayer requests from, from your brothers and sisters. Somebody says, give me a way out of debt. Forgive me for being selfish. Give me the strength to finish this semester of nursing school. I love this. Get, help me to put you first and not give you my leftovers. I want to articulate my faith to my family. Help me to choose the right college where I can discover my purpose. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have elderly parents. And Lord, we're praying mercy that you would take them to live with you before their dignity is gone. Another of our members says, I've been broken by addiction. I've allowed Satan to control me, and I want to run from the evil one. I so want to be a servant of God. Deliver me from that feeling that I'm not good enough. I need self-confidence. I want to be someone's wife, if it's your will. Help me to forgive my father, heal my dad's cancer, Relief from the mom guilt 
that one of our working mothers feels. I like the honesty of this parent. Help me stop smoking. Give me peace. All those worries I have, no self-made expectations. One of our members says, I'm homesick. I want to move back home. I've been struggling for years with lust, purity, sexuality, and pornography. Someone says, I, I've continually hurt myself and other relationships. I asked you last week, what are you begging for? I beg you to let me be a mother. And again, at the other end of the spectrum, someone who writes, I need a little peace about the afterlife and death and what comes next. Self-doubt, self-loathing, please change my thoughts, heal my mind. That's just kind of the hem of the garment right there. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Somebody wrote, uh, I want to be baptized. I want to give my life to the Lord. I don't know who you are, and I don't know if you're here. I don't know if that happened this past week. If it didn't, I, I want to talk to you. I, I would love to see God answer that prayer this morning if you're ready. Again, whoever you are, I, I don't know. There are prayers for healing, prayers for babies that are yet unborn, prayers for family reconciliation, prayers for our children to find godly spouses someday, prayers for God's help in business and finance, uh, prayers for, for God's help in letting go of bitterness and anger. And each one of those cards represents a prayer concern, something that is, that is on the heart of your brothers and sisters here. So today, when we're finished, I just want to give you a little time to come up and to, to intercede for someone. So, so come on, maybe pick one of those cards and just read over it. And pray for that person. Maybe if, if you want to, take one of these extra cards and just jot down a few of the things that you read about here on this wall. And maybe, maybe you set a timer on your phone. Maybe you take a picture of it. I, you know, I don't know what it might be. Maybe, maybe today you, you need to bring something and hang it up here on this wall. I don't know. But, but our leaders have prayed over these, and that's, that's, that's good and that's great. But, but this work, this work of intercession is work for all of us. I think God desires for this to be a, cult, a place where a prayer culture continues to emerge, where, where we're all sharing those burdens with one another. I want to give you a minute to come up and to find a, find, find a card to focus on. And would you make that your intercession this week? One final verse to encourage us to do this. Job, in the middle of all he went through, he said, My intercessor is my friend, as my eyes pour out tears to God. It's a special friend who will intercede for you. And the tears are streaming down your face. So for whom are you interceding this week? Would you intercede for your brothers and sisters? Would you keep those arms lifted in prayer this week? I want us to pray, and before we do, I, I want to ask you to stand. So if you'll stand with me, we'll sing our invitation song in just a minute after we say this prayer, okay? 
So invitation of Christ is always extended when we do this. I hope you know that. If you need to respond in a few moments, please, please do so. Right now, I want to ask you if you would think of someone in your life for whom you'd like to intercede right now. We'll just take a few moments in the quietness of this hour to let you express that. I know not everyone's comfortable doing this, so you don't have to. But if you'd like, I would even encourage you, if you want to adopt that posture of lifting your hand, lifting them up like Moses did. It's biblical. To lift your hands in prayer right now. I think of petition, kind of the posture that comes to mind is this, Lord, please, I'm begging you. But intercession, maybe this is a prayer posture that you feel comfortable with as you lift up that concern. You can do that here over these next few moments if you'd like. I just want to give us a chance to intercede for our brothers and sisters before we sing our invitation song. So let's bow together and let's pray quietly and then I'll close us with a word of prayer. Would you bow? Father God, you are great and you are glorious, and you hear every intercession in this moment. You hear the ones that we verbalize in our minds, you hear the ones through the power of your spirit that we just can't even, can't even begin to verbalize because we don't know what to say. We thank you, Jesus, for interceding on our behalf. Father, we lift these concerns to you because we trust you. We pray this in the name and the power that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you need to respond today, I hope you'll do so. Let's sing our song of invitation together.